0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Scott 7 Podcast. Um, Today, we are going to be talking about the topic of church ghosting. And if you are unfamiliar with that topic, um, it's basically if you happen to, maybe you're someone who had left your church for whatever the reason may be, and the people at that church that you've attended for a number of years, just don't reach out and contact you. Don't check on you or... Or whatever the case may be. So we're gonna kind of talk about that and maybe some of the reasons why um there is some ghosting. Uh but uh joining me is Micah Current. Micah, how you doing, man?
1: Good now that you press the
0: record button. Yes, we, we kind of recorded about a good portion of this episode and I forgot to hit the record button. So um we're gonna to try to uh get back on track. But as far as uh, stories gone wild, um this has just been a weird week, Micah. Like, um, I just had a lot going on and not only that with the different ministries we had going on at the church today, uh, this past week, um, we had a couple staff members who were out sick and to kind of top everything off. Um, we also had a group, it's an Ethiopian uh, church that's meeting at our church and they had their big celebration and, um, they, uh, We're at the church on Saturday at like 2.30 in the morning, and they ended up, and I left to go help make some youth cookies for our youth cookie fundraiser um, at about 2.30, and there were still cars in the parking lot from this event. So from 2.30 to like a little bit past 2.30, like literally 2.30 to 2.30, there were still people at the church for this big like kind of church plant with the Ethiopian Orthodox Church that's been... Meeting at our church, so it's been a exhausting day, uh, an exhausting week this week. I'm hoping to maybe take some time off to recover, but you know it is Advent, and sometimes, sometimes it's hard to find time to recover when there's so much stuff to do before um, their big Christmas Eve services. So, so that's kind of like my story's gone wild, just busy Advent season. So, Micah, what what story's gone wild? Do you have one to share with us?
1: I do. Uh, That's another thing that, you know, we've not really talked about on your show, but, like, kind of like the, I guess, the responsibility of hosting, um, being on staff at a church, like, whether it's hosting another church that's using your space, Um, whether it's a wedding, whether it's a funeral, whether it's, um, you know, Boy Scouts or, you know, you know, those things like that, that the church hosts and like, you know, like, you know, Scott, you and I've been there and, you know, you have to like be at the church to open it and be there to close it and kind of just sit there and and not really be involved in the event per se, but like make sure that you're there in case people have questions. Why isn't this light working? Hey, can you turn this microphone on for me? Hey, uh, you know, can we use your kitchen? You know, like X, Y, Z. Those are, I, you know, when you said that, I thought about that and I'm like, wow, that's another episode that we could do. And certainly talk about, you know, in the future, as far as like hosting, uh, you know, as a church being a host for, you know, various events. But for my story has gone wild in the season of, uh, Advent, I was thinking about, uh, a story about 10 years ago when I had a parishioner that wasn't very happy with me. Um, and I was young and was just ambitious about planning my first um advent as a creative arts pastor and I had plans you know pretty much the entire month of December, all of our services and basically the way that I do worship in respect to Christmas is that like probably this first Sunday after Thanksgiving, which you know is um the first Sunday of advent um I usually do one Christmas song kind of as a teaser, I do three worship songs of our catalog, you know, normal songs that we are normally doing. And then week two, we do Christmas, two Christmas songs and two, uh, worship songs. And then three Christmas songs and one worship song. And by the time we get to Christmas Eve and Christmas Sunday, we're doing all Christmas music. It kind of builds anticipation and it builds, uh, momentum as we, we head towards Christmas Eve and Christmas day. And so, um, that's kind of my philosophy of Christmas, uh, worship planning and, um, so uh we talk a lot of times as pastors and leaders of churches about sacred cows and and for those who are listening who don't know about sacred cows sacred cows are basically things within the church that people hold on to or people uh don't want changed right it could be something in the church like physically that you know i don't want that moved um i've always been in charge of this um, every pastor's always used that pulpit. Um, you know, don't move the communion table two inches to the left, you know, X, Y, Z. And so, um, this is my first pastorate at a seminary. And, um, one of our, our, our vocalists reached out to me, you know, after church on Sunday and was like, Hey, can I meet you Wednesday before practice? And I was like, Sure. And I thought maybe, hey, she wants to serve more. She may want to serve less. She wants to be more involved. I didn't really know what to expect in this meeting. So I'm sitting in my office Wednesday before practice, and mm. she she rolls in and shuts the door and proceeds to yell at me for 45 minutes to an hour about handbells. And for those of you that don't know what handbells are, they're literally just bells that you play with your hands and you ring them and you play a melody and you have a group of folks and every bell is a different note and you read sheet music and you can play different songs and based on the rhythm and the melody of the music. So little to my knowledge, um, this church had had a handbell choir for years and I had no idea that they had one. But the biggest thing was that they they really didn't use the handbell choir except for Christmas. Mm. And so knowing full well that I had not planned anything for the handbell choir, this parishioner came in and gave me a piece of her mind and said, how dare you not include the handbell choir? And I was like, listen, I'm, I'm so sorry that you're upset. And the ironic piece was she wasn't really in charge of it. She was just involved with it. And so there was another lady who had been in the church for years who had directed it, and I was like, "Listen, if we want, if you guys want to do this, we can, we can certainly find time." And the long and the short of it is that we were able to work something out, um, where she or they—I should say they—the hymnal choir um, was able to play a couple of Sundays before church started, during the offering, a couple of weeks, and then during Christmas Eve, they did like a full set before the Christmas Eve service started and when you and i were recording earlier or tried to record and we you know we didn't press the record button it was one of the things <laughs> that i said one of the things that um i said to you you know offline was that like that's not something that you get prepared for no no uh that that they that that your teachers faculty staff seminary bible college you know they don't prepare you for those kind of conflicts when you walk out of seminary or ordination or whatever, when you go to pastor your first church, when somebody comes in your office and screams at you for 45 minutes to an hour, like they just don't prepare you for those things. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. in the spirit of Advent, that was, um, that was my first, it was my first Advent, um, as a, as a worship pastor, as a full-time worship pastor. So that was, I swear has gone wild.
0: Yeah. So, Oh goodness. So that's wild. And, um, it's just it's just a shame like you said like they don't prepare that stuff for you not not even in like seminary or bible college but even like when you're going through the ordination process you know they want to at least when I went through my ordination process it was more of like okay do you believe what our denomination believes here's how you do a funeral here's how you write a sermon No, here's how you do a wedding. Here's some of the things to be thinking about: baptisms, communion. Did they they show
1: you that stuff? I know it's a little off topic, but did they they talk about that stuff with you while you were going through ordination, or no?
0: Yeah, Uh, about about what stuff? I'm sorry, like like just like getting
1: weddings, funerals, that kind of stuff. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. My mentoring pastor, we went through all that. Uh, We went through all that, even I said, like, hey, here's, like, a book, because I know there's, like, some books out there that have, like, little examples that can kind of help you. I know when I did my internship, I got one from the pastor pastor whose church I was interning at, and it was, like, everything was in KJV. And I was, like, okay, like, uh, I mean, it had good stuff, but basically it was, like, okay, no one talks like this, so... (laughs) Like who am I doing this wedding for? Like the seventeenth century? Like hey, hey hey wedding time, wedding thy times. So
1: anyway, <laughs> well the re- the reason that I asked though is that like your ordination process was vastly different from mine.
0: Yeah, because we I did my whole ordination process before. Um, Le- leadership focus. Was leadership something. focus was a thing. So yeah. Um, yeah. So today we're going to be talking about church ghosting. And like I said at the earlier of at this episode is that it's basically, you know, a church that maybe one attended for maybe a uh, many, many years. And then you decide to move and, and, you know, for an example, let's just say you move because you move on from the church because maybe you physically moved to a different city or maybe you moved over on the other side of town and. You know, it doesn't make sense to drive 45 minutes to go to to a church. So you decide to go look elsewhere. Everything's amicable. Everything's good. But then after you leave that church, you notice that, hey, no one from the church talks to us. No one from the church hangs out from us. Some of the kids that my, some of the kids that would play with the other kids at church, like, you know, they're not inviting us to birthday parties anymore. And it's almost like you kind of get shunned or ghosted or... You know, it's almost like once you left that church and the church, you know, a lot of people say, well, the church is kind of like a family. You know, we encourage each other. We build one another up. You know, we're all part of this, you know, universal church. And all of a sudden, it's like there's no contact from any of those people who you used to hang out with, um, whether that would be the pastor or whether that would just be a regular lay person in the church. Uh, So, Micah, um, I know you kind of have a different experience just being not only a worship leader, but also being a pastor's kid. Like, have you ever experienced um, any form of ghosting in your, um, in any of the churches that you've attended in your lifetime?
1: Yeah, I think, well, first let me say that, like, before I get into the ghosting thing, but like. I have also had really good relationships where I have, you know, still been in contact with people, the different churches that I've been a part of or worked at even to this day. Right. So there's still, there, there are good relationships that come out of this. Right. But, um, certainly the, one of the thoughts that comes to mind is like, there was a, a church that my dad was pastoring when, you know, we were young, young children. And I don't really know the circumstances, um, that happened, but, um, we were really close with this family and, um, they had a son that was about my age and a daughter who's a little bit older than us. And we all hung out together and, you know, I stayed at their house. He stayed at my house. We played video games. We both left professional wrestling, um, you know, was all the time talking about wrestling and, you know when we were at the church together, we were inseparable when we were going out to eat, we were inseparable. So we were really good friends when we had moved to this, um, when we had moved to this area and my dad took over to this church. And I think it was like the first, like our first or second year that he was there. And we did the annual business meeting and the parents of this family got really upset with something that happened in the business meeting. And so they yelled and they screamed and they stormed out of the church and we never heard from him again. So not only did they leave the church, there went my best friend from the church. And so, you know, I mean, your kids could probably speak into this. I mean, I know they're young, but like it's probably there's probably some similar circumstances there. Um, but like, I think of being a pastor's kid where that that's happened, where people have come to the church, they've, they've left because they've been mad or upset and you never hear from them again. And I, I just thought it was super awkward because here one day I have this really good friend and then the next day I don't. And it's because I have, um, it had nothing to do with me, and it had nothing to do with him. It had everything to do with the parents getting upset at something that happened at the church, and they weren't happy with it, so they left the church. Um, mm. another light to look through that in is that you know people move, people relocate, people get new jobs, and that's totally common. But it still me doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt when you have friends who who move, right? Like if you have really good friends and they, they leave. But I think in those circumstances, especially with you know today's uh, technology, you can Facetime people, you can text people, you can um, jump online and play a video game with a friend. You can, mm-hmm. you know, there, there there are many ways to connect these days. Social media, etc. Um, one of the things that I've noticed as a pastor, um, whether it's I've left on good terms, bad terms, neutral terms uh, uh, of leaving a position. My favorite line is we'll stay in touch. And then you don't hear from them at all. And there was a church I was at not too long ago and it was, you know, I wasn't there very long at all, but like, they were like, you know, thank you for everything, man. We just, we really appreciate everything you've got us through during the COVID period. And we just, you know, we couldn't have done it without you, you know, we'll stay in touch. And I've not heard from any, right? And so, and and I wasn't expecting to, right? And another example, I think, um, is that I've been in the ministry assignment and I've left and I haven't left on the best of terms. And I've reached out to the pastor and apologized and, you know, try to mend those fences. And then we we go through that reconciliation process and you think that things are going to be somewhat normal again. And then nothing. So those are a couple of examples. What about you?
0: Um. Yeah. So it's 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 been interesting because when I was, you know, the church I grew up in, uh, when I left to go to college, like they were still very good at contacting people. Like I know, you know, there'd be times where I'd go and check my mail, and I get a card from the. Um, it was called the care, the Ministry of Care and Encouragement. And I'd just get a card from people saying, hey, we're praying for you. Hope you're having a great start to your school. Sometimes I may get a care package. Um, and then, of course, when I would come back, you know, it was still good. And even after I kind of left the church because I was going and pastoring at other churches and kind of off on of my own ministry, like I would still have some people that would reach out and talk with me and and kind of, kind of just check and see how I was doing. Um but as far as ghosting like it's it's one of those things where especially as a pastor it's it's a lot different because in some ways um I there's an example where there are people who for whatever reason just kind of left the church because of me for whatever reason they didn't like kind of like my ministry style or how I was preaching or you know whatever the case may may have been Um, but you know, there's times like, you know, they would have, they had some relations with people within the church still. So occasionally when we'd have like children's events or church events, they'd show up and I was very good at like just contacting them, encouraging them. If I found out that one of their loved ones was sick, you know, I'd say, Hey, I heard that, you know, your dad or your husband or your wife is sick. Just letting you know I'm praying for you guys. And it was just always kind and considerate and it got to the point where one of the um people who left after about a a couple years started to come back because and one of the reasons why they said they came back was because you know i truly felt that pastor scott actually cared about me and anytime when i showed up he was the first one to say hi to me the first one to greet check how i was doing and everything else and um and that was kind of that um However, you know, there there have been times where I have had people say that they have left the church and even, you know, and one of the reasons why they left the church is because they left because of whatever, but then they were shocked that sometimes, you know, the pastor seems like to be the only person who may be reaching out, if that, but it seemed like the rest of the people who, you know, I'm actually doing life with just don't seem to reach out to me, so uh, that's been hard. The few times well, it's, also, guess- it's,
1: it's also hard as a pastor, Scott. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but like,
0: well, no, you're fine.
1: You know, you've been a lead pastor before. Um, it's also hard not to take that extremely hard or personal because people leave the church, and you automatically think it's because of you. Yeah, or you. You know, you can take it. You know, you can feel like you're taking the blame because X Y Z has left the church and. You know, they're mad at you, but it's like, well, maybe they're not mad at you. Maybe they're mad at somebody else or mad at the circumstances.
0: But it's yeah. hard for
1: you as the lead pastor of a church not to take that extremely hard or personal.
0: Well, and I don't necessarily, I mean, I think it's 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 kind of like a double-edged sword. So if someone mm-hmm. leaves the church, you know, I think as a leader, you kind of blame yourself. Like, oh, well, they left because they don't like my preaching or they don't like the way I do ministry or or whatever the case may be, especially if you're a pastor and you kind of reach out and saying, hey, we just want to kind of know why you left. I just want to check on you. Just make sure. Or even if they didn't say they're leaving, you know, you just notice like, hey, it's been a couple Sundays there. They didn't show up. What's going on? So you you reach out to them and then, you know, and you may not even get a call back. So you, you automatically think, oh, it's me. But then when there's other people in the church and they're like, hey, why did why did so-and-so leave, this family leave? And they automatically assume well, it will have to be because of the pastor. And, and so sometimes there's the other pressure too because they have pressure from the congregation. Like, oh, are people leaving because of you? Well, and um, then rumors
1: get started too.
0: And then right? rumors get started and, and you got that that whole toxicity that starts happening. And and a lot of times, you know, there's been times and, and I especially, um, you know, there's been times where I've dealt with people who, don't come to church and mainly because you know they're shut-ins like at this point i'm talking about really your older church members who have been at that church for you know 30 plus years they're at the point where they're just physically cannot get up and drive the church or get to church in person so you know they they're at home and i could remember as a pastor doing visitations and would just talk to people and a lot of times they would say you know it's always great to see you pastor scott but you know i wish sometimes i wish i could you know see people from the church mm. and there's and i and i still remember a time where i was trying to get like a ministry team together to do visitations and get people to sign up and and literally there are people who said they would they would go and they visit people but then they never did and then there's some people who, you know, they would call or they would write a card because, you know, they can't, they're not mobile as well. So that's the best they could do. I'm like, well, at least it's something. But then I just would get frustrated because it's like, well, you're saying we would go visit these people. And yet, anytime when I go and visit people, it's almost like they say, oh, no, we haven't seen anyone from the church. So I think even when you get older, it's hard too because it's like, I've been at this church for 40 years. I'm still a member of this church. And yet, I can't get anybody to see me. Um, but I was actually doing some exploring cause I'm like, Oh, is this just like a, is this, is this a similar situation? Cause, um, and I found a bunch of these stories, which I think is, um, and, and, and there's been a lot of stories that people are sharing and, um, and like and this is just like a thread on reddit, but, but that someone kind of commented, and here is this kind of the thing um that people have said, like um in twenty five years of attending the church, I had one person reach out to me after leaving, pathetic um I saw someone say um
1: Let me, let me take it a step further too. go ahead. You know, like I'm, I'm thinking through like, well, you were talking earlier, like what, you know, I know that the church of God per se doesn't do membership. Like they, they believe that if you're saved and you come to our church that, you know, we, you know, we're a family and that we, you know, you're part of God's church and you're part of the body. What about churches that have actual membership,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, Baptist churches? Does you, does your UMC have that?
0: We do have Um, like, so, so what we do is the UMC does have membership and then when, and especially like when we get to the end of the year, a lot of times, you know, the church staff or the pastor kind of look through all the church membership and notice people who are, who haven't been attending for a while or haven't attended at all this year. And then they kind of reach out to them and say, Hey, we notice you haven't been attending, or your attendance has dropped. Like we just want to make sure we check on you, see if you're okay. But then also, hey, are are you still a member of this church? Do we do you want us to, you know? keep sending you stuff essentially like like
1: newsletters in the mail or invitations to things. or or, it could
0: be one of those things where they move to a different church within the united methodist church because they're going to the church that's closer but they may not know how to transfer their membership from one church to the other church and that's kind of and i think that whole thing gets very convoluted as well but in some ways i think i think just on the surface it's just like a good way of just trying to keep track with people every year. Hey, we notice we haven't seen these people in a while. Like let's just kind of see, Hey, what's going on. So, I mean, I think that's, that's kind of what that is with membership.
1: Well, I think, cause like, you know, you made a great point earlier, but like, I don't know if I shared it on this, this podcast or not, but, um, you know, a good friend of mine was a pastor at a church in Missouri and when COVID happened, they, uh, they basically printed out a spreadsheet of all their members and it was very early on in the pandemic when churches weren't meeting at all, but like they literally divided the spreadsheet amongst their staff and said, Hey, you call these 60 people and I'm going to call these 60 people and you call these 60 people and just call them and see how they're doing and touch base with them. I don't think we do that enough. Mm -hmm. You know, and I know that we don't have the bandwidth in smaller churches as pastors, you know, like, You know, some churches are very fortunate to have a larger staff and have a pastor who is, you know, merely focused on connections and focus on, you know, small groups and things like that, where, um, you can constantly be in contact with folks. However, um, I think we do a a huge, uh, disservice to people with not, you know, connecting with them. You know, I think, uh, of, of my job in Miami every week at work within the division, that I work in, we send out this newsletter and it talks about all the events happening on, you know, campus. It happens, you know, it talks about all the news stories, the recent, you know, events and the the stories that have taken place within the college that I work at. And, you know, it's a great way to stay connected with folks. And, you know, social media is another great way to stay connected with folks inviting them to church and talking about like sermon recaps, streaming you know, you know XYZ. I know that's a long tangent and a long answer, but yeah. like, I think, you know, you talk about ghosting from the perspective of people leaving because they're mad, they're upset, or they get another job and they leave and they don't tell you, or they just stop coming to church yeah. altogether. Like, are you reaching out? Yeah. Are you talking to these folks? Are you texting these people? Are you trying to connect with them to see if they even have an interest in this church anymore? If not, then at least you know right yeah. like i think we're doing a huge disservice as pastors and leaders when we're not reaching out to folks and granted i know that we're we're all tired and we're all worn out and we're all um you know struggling to breathe as far as like we don't have just enough time or bandwidth in the day or yeah. within our work weeks and it's like but still i think that we we need to do a better job of connecting with folks
0: yeah absolutely and and i mean And again, like, I think, you know, it also depends on the culture, the church. Like I'm reading through this list and like, um, there's one where it was like, um, it says I left the church about six months ago, but still have friends from those spaces and other Christian friends who haven't been. Pushy about my own faith transition. I feel very fortunate to have those people because I know plenty more who haven't been like that. I think ultimately, kind people are kind people, and religion isn't a good indicator for whether or not someone is kind. So, basically saying, Hey, I left the church six months ago. I still have people, not only from that church, but even some of my Christian friends that still reach out and talk to me. You know, they may be going through kind of a crisis of faith. At least that's what I'm kind of reading in between the lines so you know but there's still people who care and checking on them um there's one that says for people that i only knew through church no i left in 2014 and it took until 2019 so this is (laughs) pre-pandemic this is pre-pandemic so that's we can't even blame covid 19 for this but it was five years later for any of my mentors to reach out to see how i was doing one admonished me in the comments the cooler one dm'd me and i chose not to respond because it was i was pretty horrified that it took that long so i think that's interesting that yeah it took five years and then one of my buddies who was a worship leader at a church in the columbus area for many many years he was going and he got to a point where i think after COVID, like he was just probably burned out um from the story he told me. So he decided, you know, I think it's my time to kind of be done with leading worship. But his wife was also involved in doing children's ministry. So he kind of said, like, hey, I'm." he told his wife, hey, I'm going to be done leading worship. I'm just kind of done at this point. I know you're still involved in children's ministry. And he kind of just said, you know, if you still feel involved, if you still feel called to still continue to be involved the youth ministry you know i'm going to support you you can still do youth ministry and you know i'll just kind of take a back seat and still be a part of the church i'll just kind of you know sit in the back and not be up on stage well then his wife kind of you know just kind of had a couple more months because she was kind of like the lead head of all the children's ministry stuff at that church even though she wasn't like technically staffed and um you know, she just kind of got to the point where, you know, she felt tired and she felt done too. So they both kind of were done with ministry and felt it was their time to leave that church and go see what the next ministry adventure was for them. So, you know, they both kind of told the pastor that they're leaving and the pastor was very genuine and said, oh, you know, thank you so much for your hard work. We're really going to miss you guys, but totally understand, you know, where you're coming from. And then at the end, you know, it was their last Sunday and they had like you know, the people that they were in a small group with and they're coming up and they kind of said, well, I guess this is goodbye and, you know, we won't see you again. And and my buddy's like, well, what, what, what? Like, no, like, just because we're leaving the church doesn't mean that we can't hang out anymore. Doesn't mean that we, you know, that we can't like, I mean, you know, like. We, we we're still planning on coming to small group. Like it's just, you know, Sunday mornings, we're just kind of at a point where we're looking at different, but we love our small group and we would still like to be a part of it. But it was almost like, but I think even sometimes there's a cultural mentality that when someone leaves the church, it's almost like if you have a healthy, good church, you're almost kind of have like this view of like, well, we don't want to be too pushy and kind of, you know, we want to give them space. We want to kind of give them the opportunity to, do whatever, which I feel like even though I understand the kindness and the thought process of that, I also feel that's kind of bad because maybe, yeah, they do want the space, but they still want to know if someone cares for them, if this church still loves them, even though they are taking a break or they're leaving or they're going to do a different ministry. Um, but then there's other cases where you may have a church where, and I mean, just reading somewhere, it's like, oh, I left the church and the pastor is basically telling um, the congregation that I was a sinner, that I was a devil worshiper, and to not have any contact with me. Like, I left the church, and I'm not supposed to talk to them. And if anybody, and and even like, if anybody even reaches out to this person, and the church found out about it, then they were going to get in trouble, and they were probably going to be asked to leave the church as well. And I feel like in that situation, that's a very toxic situation, when church leaders are basically saying, yeah, this person left, they're evil. They're mis- They're they're not trustworthy. You should not contact them. You should not do anything with this person. And if we find out you're contacting this person or trying to find stuff out from them, then then you're going to be kicked out of the church as well. Um, and then of course there is one of the comments on here was um, very short. Um, they stalked me and tried to get me to testify against their favorite sexual abuser. Does that count? Yikes! So. <laughs> Oh, hey, we're just reaching out so you don't sue us. Like, yeah. So I feel like, or, I mean, I, I know we've
1: talked a lot about like when you leave churches in a staff position. What were those things like non compete or not non compete? Oh,
0: yeah. Um, uh, non disclosure agreements.
1: Yeah. NDAs. NDAs. It kind of feels like that.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not. And I'm not surprised because, you know, and I feel like that's always kind of a, I feel like, you know, and we talked about NDAs like a year ago, we talked about that. But I feel like when you have a church and you're leaving a church and you have to sign an NDA, it truly shows that they don't really, and this is my opinion, the church doesn't really care about you. They care more about their reputation and not getting sued versus you know, I really care about this person. They must have felt hurt by the church and we want to apologize. And this is like, no, you're going to sign this NDA. And, and that's the, the end of that, um, or you're going to, or we're going to send you a cease and desist letter. So you can't speak bad about the church or whatever the case may be. So I feel like that kind of shows a, a toxicity of the church. So, I mean, I know it's like very broad and we kind of hit on a couple of, um, Key points on why people kind of, you know, some people leave churches because of toxic churches. And the reason why people don't contact them because leadership's doing the other time is just probably pure negligence on the church's behalf because they feel like they're doing the right thing and they're not really. And so I think kind of moving forward to like, you know, what do you do? Um, I think on the church side of things, like if someone leaves the church, always check with them, always contact them. And you have to remember that when they leave, they're also hurting as well. They may feel hurt or maybe they just are burned out and maybe they left because, you know, I've been, I've been a volunteer at this teaching Sunday school for five years. And I feel like not once has someone said, Hey, I really appreciate the hard work that you're doing. You know, I just feel like I got taken for granted. My work and my skill got taken for granted. And so they felt burned out and they left. Um, Other people may felt like, Hey, pastors being a, Pastors being a narcissistic individual is being controlling. So I left because it was getting too uncomfortable for me. Um, So I feel like, you know, if there's somebody that you have a relationship with and you notice they left the church, then, you know, reach out to them, talk with them. And, 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 you know, don't wait for like a year or don't wait five years to finally reach out and go, Hey, how are you doing? Like long time, no see. Like, like actually kind of be engaged. And then, you know, and at the end, you know, if they say, Hey, I just need space and I just need time to heal, heal, you know, give them their space. But, you know, I think at first, you know, that initial contact just to figure out what they're going on, what they're feeling and then kind of, kind of go from there. Um, I think that's kind of a good thing. Um, And I think for uh, pastors, when people leave the church, you know, I know sometimes it may be hard to follow up with them, especially if, um, you know, but, you know, all I say is, you know, try to make the attempt, call them, leave a message on the phone. And if they don't get back to you, you know, you you did what you could, you know, you don't need to constantly be, you know, harping and calling them. But, you know, just and then if you see them again, if they happen to make an appearance at one of your church events or something, you know, like I did, you know, if I saw them, I was just like, hey, I'm so glad to see you. How are things How's your family? How are you doing? And, you know, just be genuine. I think that's kind of the big thing. If you really, truly care about people and care about the people in your church, and especially those who leave the church, if you truly care about them and value them as a person, you just need to reach out to them and check on them and just see how they're doing. I think that's going to speak volumes to anything. It may even be kind of a, a catalyst to kind of get them to come back to church or at least attend A church it may not be your own church but at least maybe they'll it kind of helps with the healing process in some ways uh final thoughts from you micah
1: yeah i i couldn't agree more um and as we kind of wrap it up i i kind of have a there's a story that of of a church recently that i know of and that i'm kind of connected with in the state of florida um and this and, and in my opinion this is the the right way to do things um a good friend of mine was looking for a creative arts worship pastor role. And he was in a situation where it wasn't super healthy. And so he wanted to transition out of that, but stay into the stay in worship, right. Stay into the worship uh, circle and stay in um, involved in leading worship. Um, And he got connected with this other church and their worship pastor at the time was feeling called to go plant a church in Florida in the same area, kind of close to where they were already were. And, uh what kind of happened was my friend ended up taking the creative arts pastor role over and then the creative arts pastor who is feeling called to plant a church plant of the church and they basically celebrated the fact that he was going to go plant a church and it's almost as if it's like a satellite church of this church without being a satellite church they're partnering with his church to help them get off the ground and launch and do all these things but um they were very gracious in his departure so much so that like the lead pastor of this church went and preached, I think the first week of, you know, the first or second week after they launched the satellite campus or, you know, the other campus where this, this other guy feel, you know, felt called to plant a church. And in turn, they've had him come back and preach at the church that he left. And so like, It's he left on very good terms, I guess is what I'm saying. And so like the people know him, they know his face. He was at this church for a long period of time. And, you know, they sent a group of folks from that church to kind of, you know, help get this other church off, you know, off the ground and launched as they've, they've planted the satellite. And even the worship pastor, my friend who took over, I think has led worship there and he's come back to lead worship at this other church. I mean, it's like a super healthy, Like, the way that things should be done, right? And so, there was no ghosting on that part, and people weren't mad. And people actually celebrated the fact that he felt a call from God to go plant another church. And um, this church has done a great job of partnering with him, his family, and the plant where they've started this new church. So, it's, it's all that to say, I think that, like, yes, church ghosting is a thing, but it doesn't have to be a thing.
0: Hmm. yeah absolutely and i think that's going to do it for us and i think that's kind of a good thing so at the end of the day you know just be kind always continue to reach out to people and always be respectful you know and you may think being respectful is just giving them space but i think if you can make that initial contact and then give them space i think that's going to go a long way then just assuming, well, they need space and I'm not going to reach out to them because, again, life gets so busy and then maybe you might have the best intentions to maybe reach out to them a month or two after they have left, but then life happens and then it ends up being five years. And then you're like, oh, I should probably check on that person. And then at that point, the damage had already been done. So friends, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and we'll be back on next week in another episode. Take care.